Hi, this is Hanson from Archeepers Awakening, a ministry that's dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And this is what Kingdom 101 is all about. We revisit kingdom fundamentals so that we can know Jesus all over again, embrace the things of His kingdom that we may receive and move on our kingdom assignments in His kingdom ways. Will you join me for a word of prayer? And we will jump right in. Lord Jesus, teach us with your word, O Lord. By your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the things of your kingdom. We ask all this in your mighty name. Amen. Has this happened to you before? You go shopping, you're ready to pay, you get to the counter and you see two queues. One longer and one shorter. Now, which queue do you line up in? Obviously, I would pick the shorter one, right? I mean, I want to be faster. I want to be first. I don't want to waste time at all. And so I line up in the queue. And before you know it, the other queue starts to move. And the queue I'm in, it's just stuck. I get it wrong again. You see, what's obvious may not always be right. And in my desiring to be first, I actually end up last. Let's talk about another type of cue. In business coaching and training today, there's a present focus on different cues that contribute to managerial and executive success. Now, in times past, we would focus on IQ, intelligence quotient, or EQ, the emotional quotient. But I've discovered that there are so many other questions, so many other cues that we have come up with these days. There's SQ, the social quotient. There's TQ, technical quotient. DQ, digital quotient. MQ, motivational quotient. XQ, experience quotient. LQ, learning agility quotient. PQ, people quotient. And even AQ, adversity quotient. And the list can go on. There's so many different cues. Now, I'm told that if you have a high score in these quotients, well, you have a better chance of doing well. In fact, you will have a better and a greater chance of actually making to HQ to hang out with the guys at the top. People will start to pay attention to you if you score well in these cues. But what about the kingdom? Which queue is the right queue to HQ, to Kingdom HQ? I mean, there's no point lining up in the wrong queue, right? Or aligning with the wrong queue. And if God is in Kingdom HQ, He's on His throne, what then is the right way to God's throne, His, His heart as well as His presence? I know what the Christian answer is. You're going to say, Jesus is the way. Well, you're not wrong. We can just believe in Jesus, yes? But you'll see that it's not just believing in the way, but also living the way. I know Jesus is the way, but what is the way of Jesus? I want to suggest to you that the way of Jesus is the way of humility. The right cue to HQ is HQ, the humility quotient. Now, you can score high in all the other cues, but the right cue is HQ, the humility quotient. HQ is what matters most to the Lord. Our HQ, our humility quotient, is that which sets us on the right track to kingdom HQ. Our HQ gets the attention of kingdom HQ. Let me ask you one question as we start this teaching. What's your humility quotient? Our passage today is Matthew chapter 19, 13 to 15. Let's read the scriptures together. Then little children were brought to him, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. What is this passage about? 
Well, let me begin by telling you what this passage is not about, although it seems to be about these things. Firstly, it's not about the salvation of children. I've seen messages, sermons crafted from this passage because of the mention of children as well as the kingdom of heaven and a teaching comes out of that. Well, you can extend this idea, but it's not about this. Secondly, it's not about infant or child baptism. I know there's a laying on of hands and there's a praying and there's a blessing, but really this passage is not about baptism of little ones. Thirdly, and this is the closest I suppose we can draw from this passage, it's about the blessing of children per se, the laying on of hands, because it's a tradition for the elder or someone who is prominent to lay hands and to pronounce a blessing. And I suppose from this you can build a case for children dedication, to pray a prayer of blessing, to dedicate them to the Lord. What exactly is this passage about? If we look at the placement of these verses, it would help us understand the context for a better interpretation. Well, we can look at these three verses and we see that it is right after Jesus' teaching about divorce or more accurately, kingdom marriages. So there's a focus of children after speaking about marriages. Perhaps, again, Matthew might be making a point that the idea of marriage would be also for procreation. Children are a product of a godly marriage. But if we talk about divorce, now children are also the victims of divorce. Well, that's one way to look at this passage if we see that it is placed right after the teaching about marriage and divorce. But we can also see these three verses as placed right before the narrative about the rich young ruler, Matthew chapter 19, 16 to 30. And if we glance that passage, we will see Jesus' comment about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and how we are actually to inherit eternal life right at the end of the next passage. Now, that should ring a bell because it is contrasted against that line that Jesus says of the little children, of such is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. In the ESV, it says very clearly, to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Can you see that this is so much more in context and more relatable? One speaks about entering into the kingdom and receiving the things of the kingdom and to such belongs the things of the kingdom as well as the inheritance of the kingdom. I believe that this might be Matthew's intention to bring these two passages together, starting with this, with little children introducing a topic per se, and we will get into the next teaching the next time about the rich young ruler. It's all about entering the kingdom and receiving everything the kingdom has to offer. This is the key to getting to kingdom HQ, as it were, the highest point, the closest point to the Lord and to his throne room. What is this key? Jesus mentions little children again. Again, he emphasizes in Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 to 4, which we have already explored in the previous teaching. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, let us remember, the disciples started with this question about greatness in the kingdom. Who is the greatest? So Jesus replies and teaches them about greatness in the kingdom with the idea of kingdom relationships. In Matthew chapter 18, it's all about relationships in the kingdom, of course, premised with this trait of humility. So Jesus was talking about 
kingdom relationships in answer directly to the disciples' question about greatness. And the Lord's point is simply, everyone is important. Everyone is precious. It's not about how great you are per se, but despise none. Esteem all, everyone. We're all to be like a little child. Well, it seems the disciples did not get the point, right? The parents brought the little children to Jesus. They were queuing up for Jesus to bless them, to pray for them. But the disciples saw this and thought that they were disturbing Jesus. They were disrupting his ministry. Jesus was on a mission. Please don't disturb the Messiah. But surely the king has got a heart for these little ones. But in the mind and the hearts of the disciples, the king has no time for these unimportant ones. So the Lord again uses this as an object lesson. He rebukes the disciples and he makes the same point about little children, about humility again. He uses the same picture of little children. As I was reading this passage and preparing for this teaching, I struggled with this idea of having to talk about humility once more. But the Spirit reminded me, in the same way the Lord had to remind the disciples again to make an emphatic point about humility. I believe the Lord wants this lesson to be repeated, perhaps pushed in a little bit more deeply to emphasize this important point of how humility, the humility quotient, the HQ in all our hearts would be so important to our Father who sits in Kingdom HQ that watches out for the people who would be humble like little children. We started out by asking this question, which is the right cue? To Kingdom HQ. And I believe it is HQ, the humility quotient. That is the right cue. That's the cue that we want to be in and we want to align with. Jesus said it already that the way into the kingdom, the way to enter the kingdom is to be converted and become like little children. I know in our hearts we might be asking this question once more. Do we not already enter the kingdom when we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Well, that's a yes and an amen. But you see, entering the kingdom like salvation is not just one point, but it is also a process. So we start with humility. We must continue with humility and we have to finish with humility. We are converted by humility. We become like little children, but remain as little children right through until we not just enter the beginning, but also enter at the end. There's no point talking about kingdom greatness if you're not even going to make it to finally enter the kingdom of heaven. That's where true greatness is. It's not about being great in this world or being successful or being rich with having all those different indicators in this world. True greatness in the kingdom is when we finally enter to be with the Lord and in the things and the fullness of His kingdom. Jesus makes it very, very clear in this. That we are not just to enter, but that everything about the kingdom belongs to such as these. That one phrase in our passage today is the most important phrase. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. And these are the little ones, the little children. Who are these? These are those who are humble and lowly. Now, nobody wants to give the time of day or any attention to these little children. They seem to be a waste of time. They seem to be so needy. They seem to have all the things that they are clamoring for as little ones, but nobody wants to give them any attention. Jesus flips it around and says, no, the kingdom of God belongs to such 
as these. The kingdom of God to such as these. Yes, it's theirs. It's ours if we would be humble and lowly. For theirs, to these, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, does that phrase sound familiar? It should. Because we've already explored that one phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, way back in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus already mentioned it as his introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. These are the Beatitudes, the ways of the kingdom. The Beatitudes start and end with exactly the same phrase. Now listen, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And right at the end, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, does it mean that it's only given to the poor as well as the persecuted? Well, not really. The Beatitudes are structured through a literary device called bracketing or inclusio, to bracket. And this means that these two Beatitudes are the open and closed brackets. That means everything else in between apply also. So if you read through Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12, and look at the Beatitudes, it sounds like humility. Humility is expressed to those and through those who are poor in spirit to those who are mournful. Why? Because they are lowly. They're, they're stepped upon. They're not given the time of day. Humility is expressed through those who are meek, who are gentle. Humility is expressed through those who are hungry and who are thirsty for righteousness, to those who are merciful, to those who are pure in heart, who are sincere, who are truthful, who seek after peace. They are the peacemakers. And if you're going to live like that, all of the above might just get you persecuted or taken advantage of. You see, the way up into the kingdom, way up all the way to Kingdom HQ is down. It's lowliness. It's humility. And if you get to the point of being persecuted and you are wronged for righteousness sake, for seeking the things of the kingdom, Jesus says, great is your reward. Did we hear that word great once more? Is that kingdom greatness? The kingdom belongs to those who are humble, the little ones, the little children, the lowly ones. See, the right cue to kingdom HQ is our HQ, our humility quotient. How high we go depends on how low we go for the sake of Jesus. Our HQ gets the attention of Kingdom HQ. By now, I hope you see the importance of our humility caution. How important, how critical this is as we live our lives, especially from a Kingdom perspective. But how do we improve this humility quotient? What do we look at? For this, I believe we need to have a right definition of what humility is. So for this next part, I'd like to share with you three aspects of humility. The first is to have an accurate view of ourselves in relation to God. And here we must look at who we were and who we are. It's very easy to be humble, actually, when you look at your past life before salvation. I mean, we are thankful for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. But what about after salvation? It's so easy to slip back into pride, is it not? I always say that it is easy to be humble before an assignment. Oh Lord, I can't do this, I need you. But what about during the assignment? What about when you become successful in your work and in the ministry? See, knowing who we are in Christ is important. 
but I want to note the difference between having a confidence and a boldness in Christ and having pride and presumption of what we have in Christ. Now, this is a very fine line because it is so easily crossed if we are not careful. Now, here I'm not talking about false humility to just say, um, push everything away, press yourself down. No, I'm looking at true humility. And that can only happen when we view ourselves in relation to God. And this is that first aspect. Always have an accurate view of who you are and even what you were in relation to God. My own reminder to myself is this. If I want to compare, compare with God. If you want to compare, compare yourself with God. Because when you compare with others, this only results in pride or self-condemnation on the other extreme, which is a wrong type of humility again. Look at the Apostle Paul. He was very secure in his identity in Christ. And yet his HQ, his humility quotient, was extremely high. At one point of his ministry, he would say, I'm the least of the apostles. Compared to the rest, I know I'm nothing. Why? Because he knew where he came from. He persecuted the church of God, that he should even have a place among the apostles. Man, that was an accurate view. Now, he knew who he was, but he was very, very clear of how he is, his identity in Christ, and he stayed humble in that regard. A little while more in his ministry, now he's not the least of the apostles. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Now I am less than the least of the saints. Now, not just the apostles, but the saints. And he's looking at this again and he goes, Whoa, you know, I, I, I don't even qualify to be counted amongst you guys, but by the grace of God, I get to feature and I get to minister to all of you. And right towards the end, when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And now he compares himself with all the sinners and he says, I'm the worst guy. You see, when we see ourselves in relation to who God is, where we are, and where he has brought us to, that helps you understand humility in its truest, truest form. When you see yourself against God, who you were before and what you are now, what He's done for you, it would result in at least two key things that are so important to develop the humility quotient. These two things will keep our humility in check. The first is the fear of the Lord. There's awe, there's reverence. And you will notice in Scripture that the fear of the Lord is mentioned often with humility. Why? Because as sinners who we were when we came before the Lord, He could have snuffed us out because of who He is. His holiness, His powers, His authority. We don't even deserve to come an inch closer to Kingdom HQ. But because He brought us in, and by His grace, He saves us. We have to keep humble before Him. And even as we relate to Him, there is an, there's an awesome reverence to say, Yes, Lord, thank You for everything. Proverbs 22 verse 4 reminds us, By humility and the fear of the Lord, that's where you get riches and honour and life. Proverbs 15 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honour is humility. See, if you want to up this humility quotient, rediscover the fear of the Lord. That's where you get an accurate picture of yourself and it keeps you in check. The second thing under this first point is gratitude and thanksgiving. That's what grace is about. Right? Because of His grace, you are thankful. Everything is by the Lord's grace. 
There is simply no place for pride or boasting in ourselves at all. And this is why the Apostle Paul, after he shares so much and he, he pushes himself down, not through false humility, he acknowledges it is by the grace of God I am what I am. I shouldn't even be here. His grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly. I'm more successful. I'm more fruitful than so many other people. But it's not me. It's the grace of God. If we would understand this, that is an accurate view of ourselves in relation to God. Humility is not just pressing yourself low. Humility is seeing yourself accurately in relation to God. The alignment with God is what allows you to understand humility. If we don't align with the person of God, the fear of the Lord, the grace of the Lord, the everything about God, then our pride begins to surface once more. The second aspect of humility is seen through our submission and our obedience to God. See, out of a correct relationship with God, knowing who we are, acknowledging the fear of the Lord and also the grace of God, our response is submission. Say, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so revering you and so fearful of you in a healthy way. I want to do everything that you tell me to do. And look at this word, submission. In the Greek, it is a compound word, and the first word means to place under. In the Latin, sub means to go under, like a submarine. And so submission means to place yourself under, to be placed in order of God's agenda. Now the word obey has the same understanding. It's made of two words that's literally under and here. That means to listen, to hear God's instructions, to obey His command, and not just a command, but higher command. You place yourself under this command. So both the words to submit as well as to obey means to be placed under. Now you've got to be low enough to go under. You get this? There's a humility that's within our hearts that's required so that we can acknowledge that God's wisdom, God's instructions, they are far above, right? Far, far above. We can't understand a lot of things. His plans are way higher. His thoughts are way higher. We place ourselves under. We humble ourselves to obey Him even when we don't understand, even when we can't make sense of things. Now compare this with pride. Look at self-sufficiency. That would cause us to refuse to obey, to question. We would put our own will and our own agenda first. Only when it suits me, when I can understand, when I can see the outcomes. In fact, God is here to serve my purpose instead of me serving His purpose. That is not obedience. That is not submission. That is pride, thinking that I can do better. I can plan better. I know better. That's not humility. And so many of us struggle with this because we want to be in control. Even in the carrying out of kingdom assignments, our works, our assignments are to be done in the meekness or in the humility of wisdom. Right? Sometimes we can start out humble to say, yes, Lord, this is what I'll do. But when we get out to move on our assignments, we run people with pride. We look down on others and we step on them and we steamroll all over them. James chapter 3, verse 13 asks this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 
And he goes on to define wisdom that comes from above is peaceable, is gentle, is willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Does it sound so familiar? It sounds like the Beatitudes, right? It's humility. That's wisdom. Godly wisdom is humble. This is opposed, contrasted with bitter envy, self-seeking, and that's where pride is. And the Apostle James warns, be careful, because this is earthly wisdom. It is sensual. It is even demonic. See, the first aspect of humility is seeing ourselves correctly and accurately in relation to the Lord. Out of that will be the second aspect that would give birth to submission as well as obedience. And the third aspect is dependence and reliance on God. Pride and self-sufficiency will rely on the self. I'll look at my own talents, my own abilities. I will tell myself, I can, I don't need you. When our children were younger and we want to help them in a few things, they will go, no, I don't want you to help me. I, I can do it. You know, there's a certain, I can achieve this on my own. Today, the world tells you, you have to believe in yourself. I know that sounds really positive, but it runs counter to a kingdom perspective. I want to make things happen by my own determination, my own will, my own strength. I rely on my own context, my own influence, my own experience, my own resources. I know that sounds really good again. And in some parts, God will utilize these things. But it is the posture of humility that we desire to develop in our hearts. And we are not careful. These may keep us away from true kingdom humility. Humility in kingdom perspective is relying on the Lord, trusting in Him, trusting in everything about God. Do you trust in the personhood of God? Do you trust in His love? See, sometimes we take things back into our own hands, into our control, because we say God is love, He's merciful, He cares for us, He's concerned for us, and yet, we take things into our own hands. We don't trust that fully. Do we trust in His power, in His provision, in His plans? Do you trust in His righteousness? And what this means is that even when things are going crazy and it looks so, so bad, do you trust in His ultimate judgment? that he's still in control, that he's still sovereign over everything, that when he says, vengeance is mine, do you believe that? Will you still rely on him and still be gentle and meek and willing to yield and be humble? Even many others are taking advantage of you. Or do you find yourselves campaigning for your rights? To say, oh, I've got to be bold, I've got to be fighting for all these things. See, that's not the way of the kingdom. And sometimes I fear we take that to such an unhealthy extreme, thinking that it's humility, but actually it's not. See, Paul declared his sufficiency in Christ. He said, I can only do what I can do. I'm only capable in and through Christ. If I need to boast in anything, I boast in the power of the cross. And what's the cross? It's a sign of weakness. It's a picture of weakness, right? It's there where I am crucified with Christ. I am dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And out of that, I depend on Him by faith. I rely on Him on everything and for everything. See, these are the three aspects of humility. And if we would look at these and say, Lord, would you help me that I can have an accurate view of myself in relation to you? that I can learn to submit more and obey you without questioning, as well as then to depend on you in my obedience and work things out, relying wholly on you, just like little children, to know I can't do this. I need to be with you. 
I challenge you, my friends, your humility quotient will improve and you will raise yourself up in this way as you lower yourself in the correct manner, humbling yourself before the Lord and in the sight of the Lord. As we consider the three aspects of humility, I'm so glad that the Lord does not leave us alone to try to figure this out. Jesus, the one from HQ, he was dispatched from HQ to demonstrate HQ, humility quotient to all of us. Let's look at the three aspects of humility in the life of our Lord and our King. What was Jesus' view of himself? Well, clearly he was very secure in his identity with the Father and the Father in him. Scripture tells us that he is equal to God but he was willing to disregard that position. He didn't hold it so tightly. In fact, he was willing to release that, to let it go, as we are told in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. He brings himself low to identify with humanity. God knows we can't get to him. He had to lower himself and humble himself to consider us. I love this passage, the scripture in Psalm 113, verse 6. It speaks of the Lord who is high and mighty, who humbles himself. He brings himself low. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. The God of creation looks at creation and does not look at it as beneath Him, but He comes and lowers Himself so that we can then see Him, that the heavens can reveal Him also, that we can know Him. And this is our King. He brings Himself low. He knows His identity and yet He humbles Himself. Out of that, Jesus submits and obeys the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. The world looks at the cross as a symbol of weakness, but God uses the things of the weak, the things that would be humble, the things would be foolish. Humility is silly to the rest of this world. But if we would humbly obey as Jesus submitted and obeyed, the humility quotient is what gets the attention of Kingdom HQ. Jesus relies and depends on God. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 5, verses 19 and 30, we are told that Jesus said, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but whatever He sees the Father is doing, and whatever He does, the Son will also do. See, the Son was so submitted, so reliant and dependent, He doesn't move on His own. Man, His humility caution was up there, amen? Right? He would just say, Lord, Father, I will not do anything if you do not tell me. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. I don't see my own will. I rely on the Father totally. What I see, I will do. What I hear, I will say. That's how close he was. And that was how humble he was with the Father. And Kingdom HQ was always looking out for Jesus. This is our King. This is the humility quotient that we must aspire to. In Matthew 11, 28-30, Jesus issues an invitation. Our King invites all to learn from Him so that we can find rest for our souls. Now, this is not just a verse to use for silent retreats. This is a verse about humility. Jesus is showing us humility is the pathway to achieve true kingdom restedness. Pride is always about protecting myself, yourself, 
your ego, my ego, my name, my reputation. I've got so much to lose. I've got to guard it. Pride relies on my own strength, my abilities, my talents, my efforts. And pride actually is very, very tiring, right? I'm trying to keep up an appearance. I'm trying to save my own face. And the Lord is saying, you guys, you're laboring. You are heavy laden with a responsibility you don't need to carry. Pride will cause you to end up stressed, worked up, depressed, burnt out. You end up taking it out on yourself and on others. Humility, on the other hand, brings true rest. Because humility lives out of who we are in relation to who God is and who Jesus is. Right? The Master invites us, take this yoke, join me, partner me. We're going to work on this together. You're going to help me, I'm going to help you. We're partners. Just humble yourselves. Trust me. I'm going to do the heavy lifting together with you. Humility would rely and depend wholly on God. He's in control. He's in charge. Humility submits and obeys because God knows best. Can you see how light that burden would be? The work that is to be done is worked from a posture of humility and humility gives us a posture of rest. Let's learn from Jesus. Right? If you want to up your humility quotient, your HQ, learn from the one that came from HQ. He says, I am gentle and I am humble. My dear friends, a gentle and a humble king desires a meek and a humble people. Look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And this is a passage that is so powerful. The Lord says that in that day, you shall not be shamed for any of the deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride. And you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. Are you hearing this? Those who are proud have no place in God's holy mountain. That's his kingdom HQ. Those who rejoice in their pride, there's no place in the presence of God. But the Lord is looking for a remnant, a people. In verse 12, I will leave in your midst. He's looking for these people, a meek and a humble people. And who are these? These are the ones who shall trust in the name of the Lord. Friends, a humble and a lowly humble king desires a meek and a humble people. This is Kingdom HQ's desire for all of us. Our HQ gets the attention of Kingdom HQ. Our humility caution will get the attention of our King. Let's learn from Jesus our King. He's gentle and He's humble. Let us also be meek and humble before Him and also with one another. Let me seal this for you with some scripture to convince you even further that there will be no doubt in your heart. Firstly, God looks at the humble. Isaiah 66 verse 2, On this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. If you are humble, you get the attention of God. God looks for the humble and his eyes will be fixed upon them. Secondly, God hears the humble. Daniel, you've set your heart to understand. You humbled yourself before God. Your words were heard. And the Lord says, I have sent my angels to you because of your words. God hears the cry of the humble, not the proud. Thirdly, number three, God guides and teaches the humble. You want teaching? You want guidance? Psalm 25 verse 9, the humble he guides in justice in his ways and the humble he teaches his way of righteousness, of course. 
Number four, God gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4, verse 6, he gives more grace, grace upon grace, favor upon favor. If you would humble yourself, the Lord would shower his favor upon you. But if you are proud, he will resist you. Number five, God draws near to the humble. Immediately after verse 6 and 7 and 8, James chapter 4 says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Now in humility, as you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Praise the Lord. You see, the Lord draws near to those who are humble. He doesn't just look at you from afar. He doesn't just listen and answer from afar. If you are humble before Him, He will draw near to you. Now what does He do? He lifts up the humble. Now you bring yourself low, but He brings you high. James chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. And I believe it's not just for the things of this world, promotions of this world, but it is in the things of the kingdom that He will lift you up the ranks, that as you move up this humility caution, He will begin to promote you in the greatness of His kingdom. And it comes to a point where God exalts the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 7. Peter quotes the same phrase, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. That there's a timing of the Lord. We may not see it yet, but we keep trusting. We keep casting our cares upon Him. We keep relying on Him. We keep depending on Him. Things may not turn out the way we expect, but we know that in due time, Trusting in His goodness, in His personhood, He will exalt us in the same way that He exalted Jesus to the highest of the highest, King of kings and Lord of lords. In the same way, He will lift up a meek and a humble people to reign with a gentle and a humble King. And finally, we see that God dwells with the humble. I love this verse in Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Did you read this line? Did you see this? Can you hear this once again? I dwell in the high and a holy place. With whom? With Him, the one who has a contrite and a humble spirit. Where is God's quarters? Where is God's headquarters, His high cue? It is a high quarter. It is a holy quarter. It is a kingdom HQ. This is God's place. This is His throne. He's the high and the lofty one. And what does He do? He lifts up the humble and He makes the humble dwell with Him and He with the humble. I get so excited when I read this. The humble get to hang out with God in Kingdom HQ. Line up in the right queue. Align with the right queue. It's the HQ that gets the attention of Kingdom HQ. I hope you are convinced, my friend, that the right queue is HQ, that we can be with God in His Kingdom domain, in His Kingdom HQ. As we close, allow me to ask you once more, how is your HQ, your humility quotient? This is a key kingdom indicator of how you are following the King and growing in the Lord. What's the fastest way to know? Let me challenge you. Ask someone. Ask someone who loves you, who's close to you. Ask someone who, that you respect. This is the fastest way to discover our humility quotient. Pride is often a blind spot for many of us. And we need people who love us, who care for us, kingdom hearts, who want to grow together so that we can 
point things out to one another, make adjustments, realignments, help one another grow in the things of the kingdom and in our humility quotient. Let me read that phrase once more to you in the passage of today. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. Let the little children come to me. Let's rephrase that. Let the humble ones come to me. Don't forbid them. Because of such is the kingdom of heaven. To such belongs the kingdom of God. May we learn from little children to be like little children. Nothing to prove. Everything to gain. Friends, the world places emphasis in all the different cues, the IQ, EQ, MQ, SQ, whatever cue. The most important cue is HQ, our humility quotient. Don't, don't line up in the wrong queue. You want to be first, you're going to end up last. Line up in the right queue. Align with the right queue. It's better to be humble and let God lift you high to kingdom greatness. The right queue to kingdom HQ is HQ, our humility quotient. The kingdom belongs to the humble. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this teaching. Thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you for reminding us again that the ways of this world, they run upside down to the things of the kingdom. The kingdom desires that we go low, that we can be lifted high. Lord, forgive us where we have placed our trust in the things and the indicators of worldly success and worldly perspectives. Open our eyes and our hearts once more to understand the things of the kingdom. Help us improve our humility quotient. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. Lift us high, Lord, for the glory of Jesus and the things of his kingdom. And we boast, we boast in you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me for another Kingdom 101 teaching. For past teachings, visit our website, kingdom101.archipusawakening.org. Until the next time, this is Hansen signing off. Stay awakened, aligned, and assigned. God bless you.